You are listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to our sixth episode, Accepting Writing Feedback. I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Hope Ann. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Rolina Hatfield. And today we're going to be discussing all things writing feedback, how to cultivate the right mindset for receiving feedback, and how to sift through all your feedback so you can take the next step moving forward. So Hope, to start us off, what has been the most helpful bit of writing critique you've received? I don't really have a particular, this was my most helpful, this is my least helpful, just because I've been getting writer feedback for like about as long as I can remember, four or five years at least. And so I more have particular types of this stuff is helpful, this stuff isn't. For me, the really helpful types of feedback are the ones that don't just say, oh, it's wonderful, that don't just say, this is bad, this is bad, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. But the ones that are like, so this is what you're doing, but if you do this, it'll be even better. Basically, it gives you suggestions. doesn't like rewrite your section for you or anything like that, but it will not just say, all of this is bad, go fix it. It actually gives you, here's the different ways you can fix it and make it better. And also, this isn't necessarily what good feedback needs. It's always fun when the person who's critiquing your work also likes it and is saying, oh, I love this part, I love this part, I love this part, because then you get encouragement mixed in with your critique, and you also get a picture of, okay, I do this well, this isn't as good, this is what I need to do to make it better. For myself... The, the writing feedback I tend to find most helpful is generally almost all of the time places where the, the feedback, the, the, the beta reader or the critiquer understands what I'm going for in the story and is able to give me advice that well exemplifies what I'm trying to get at. And I, can, and I realize, oh, yes, this is exactly what I was going for. You knew how to, what I needed to do to accomplish that better than I do. And in contrast to that, what I often find the least helpful is that sometimes you, know, you, get, I get, you get people who are reading your book and their suggestions aren't really about making your book better, but are about telling a different version of the book, which may not be a bad book, but which isn't the book I'm trying to tell. And so I often find that the least helpful feedback is given by people who well, good intentions, but just don't understand what I'm going for in the book. And so thus their advice tends to be less about making a better story, more about telling a different story. I think genre comes into play as well, because if you get readers who write in your genre, who read your genre a lot, they know what they're expecting this genre. When you write fantasy and you get someone who has only read historical fiction, they're going to read your book, and for one, they don't really know what to expect. So you might be doing things that are angling towards a fantasy audience, and they're just confused about why is all this stuff going on? We need explanations for everything. And so since one book isn't going to make everyone happy, so you have to figure out where they're coming from and how much is opinion that they like this better, how much is a valid, okay, I have a plot hole here, or this isn't clear. A lot of reviewing critique is just looking at everything, considering it all, but at the same time, you're not committing to taking all of their advice. What you're doing when you're asking critique is, I want to know what you think, I'm going to consider it, 
And then I'm either going to take it or reject it depending on does it for my story, do you have a logical reason for giving me this critique? Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of uh, one of uh, Neil Gaiman's quotes that if a reader, a beta, if you, if a reader tells you that something's wrong with your book, they're probably right. If they tell you a way to fix it, they're probably wrong, unless they're you know a skilled author who who understands what I'm going for in the story. Often, the most valuable thing you can get is you know what are you experiencing and figure out what the the current impact is, but whether or not the average beta reader is able to help you actually fix the problems in the story is a different matter. And I think that it is valuable to have someone, even if it's just one or two people, because you probably won't have a number of these who really know you and know your writing. Like my mm -hmm. best friend, we talk about our writing to each other. She knows my writing inside out. I know her writing really well. And so when we critique each other's stuff, we know where they're coming from. We know the background, which on one hand makes it like I know all the backstories, so it might not be as confusing for me as it would be for a normal reader. So you need other input as well. But at the same time, when it comes to fixing things, someone who really knows your style, who loves what you do, who is very much into, I want to help make this better. It might be a friend. It might be a reader. It might be another writer. And if you have one or two of those people who's going over everything, it can be very, very good for your writing. I agree. It's really helpful to have those people who understand what you're going for and who know your writing inside out. And that, that really, really helps. But sometimes I found, like Josiah was saying, it's really important that they understand what your story is going for. And that is the most helpful type of feedback that I, I received, too. But when, when getting those other opinions on the, the book, sometimes I find that, you know, people with their opinions <laughs> can rip <laughs> my manuscript to shreds. And, you know, that can be like super overwhelming and knowing whether you should keep it or not. And sometimes it, it, it's even been people that I know are good writers and they, they do have good advice. But knowing like how much of it is actually just opinion or what, what I need to keep and sorting through it can be super overwhelming. Um, so when it comes to that, sometimes I, I will just look at like the overall, what are they trying to say here and take that nugget of wisdom. Usually it's like focused on, you know, one particular thing, like they just mentioned like 10 different times that my description could be stronger or something like that. Um, and take like one particular concept instead of letting like every little tiny detail overwhelm me. I do something kind of similar when I get beta reader feedback. I will go over and generally there's people who are correcting grammar and spelling and I just generally accept all of those because I'm really bad at grammar and spelling. <laughs> when it comes to the actual story, I will kind of read through all of them and at first it's like completely overwhelming and my story is horrible and I should never write again. Take a day or two and recover and just like, okay, there's a lot here. I know I can put down and fix this. I'll come back to it tomorrow. And then when I come back to it, I'm able to boil down the points. Like, okay, they've all mentioned different aspects of this is confusing or this or this or this. But if I can just figure out the villain's motivation, that's actually going to solve all of these different problems, make everything clearer. That's going to affect the climax, which in turn is going to help the theme come across better. And so I'm able to get a couple of key points. And sometimes there's a lot of key points. I had a recent story that I thought was actually pretty decent. I sent it to beta readers and then I realized like my character, my plot and my theme were all messed up. And so I had to go back and redo a number of it. But the thing is, is 
once I actually boiled it down, I didn't have to rewrite the whole thing. It was more, I needed to fix my villain motivation. I needed a stronger climax. And once I had motivations clear, I think it turned out pretty well. Yeah, and I think what stood out to me from what you said is just the importance of not trying to figure out how to deal with beta reader feedback the first time you get it, because you often don't have the perspective at that point that you need to really be able to think through, oh, is the problem this beta reader is noticing actually an issue or not? Instead of taking that time after you first read it to think about it and mull over it before resolving what your strategy is going to be, I think is a wise strategy for authors to use. Absolutely. And not even just taking that time, but during that time, if you still come back and I sometimes struggle still knowing whether I want to apply something or not, because I think it's good, helpful feedback, but I'm not exactly sure if it will fit really well. Sometimes I'll get a second opinion on that concept, like, like those people that Hope was talking about that are close to you and know you're writing well and know what you're going for in the story because you've probably told them the entire outline. Those kind of people are the ones I usually go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with figuring out if this is what I need to do with this section of the story. Could you maybe give me your opinion on if, if this would fit well or not? When you get back feedback and it's really overwhelming or some of it is, a lot of it is just discouraging. I think one thing that's really important is that when it comes to getting feedback, you're still cultivating a relationship with these people who are um, willing to take the time to read your story and to, they, they have good intentions, like Josiah mentioned before. They want to help you out. And sometimes it's just not so helpful. But I think it's really important to make sure that they're still appreciated, even if you don't end up using their feedback. And that it's also important you don't have to tell them that you're not using their, their feedback. Um, I just think it's important to make sure that you thank them for their time and make sure that they're appreciated for the, the time and investment that they, that they are putting into your story. They, they do have good intentions and they want to help us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, our panelists are going to discuss how you can cultivate the right mindset for receiving feedback. Stay tuned. This week on our blog, the SE staff shares 10 tips to help you survive the writing slog. Christine Eaton discusses the future of the Story Embers art department, and Kanan Leeds explores the struggle of sharing the gospel in today's world in his poem, Evangelism. Read these and more at storyembers.org forward slash blog, and keep an eye out for a special announcement coming this week. We're celebrating Story Embers' one-year anniversary, and we have big things planned. You won't want to miss it. Welcome back, everyone. I'm with SE staffers Hope Ann, Josiah DeGraff, and Rolina Hatfield, and we're discussing all things writing critique. Now that you guys have touched on what types of writing feedback you personally find the most helpful, what tips do you guys have for making sure you're in the right mindset for receiving feedback of all kinds? One of the most important things I think all authors need to do, and this is hard, and it isn't easy, and it isn't fun, but it's necessary is to detach yourself from your book. Because I think for a lot of writers, we spend so much time writing the book and we get so attached to it that sometimes when people are critiquing the writing, we feel like they're critiquing us. Because we're the ones who had to figure out, you know, all these characters' emotions, often weaving parts of ourselves into our characters and so on. And that's one of the reasons why I think it can be hard to receive feedback because you've put so much of yourself into your writing. Speaking for myself as a writer, I have two hats as a writer. 
I have the, the writing hat and the editing hat. And when I am writing the story, I need to take off my editing hat because it's not going to help me write. But then when I'm editing, I need to take off my writing hat and, and, and cultivate that critical mindset because I think it's easy with the writing hat to just say, oh, well, one person didn't, you know, two people didn't like this part, but it's only two people, so I can just ignore it and, and not fix anything here. And sometimes that's true. I think it's it's important to not, to have that, that you know, be able to put on that critical hat, not only so you're able to, to deal with the critique in a healthy manner, but also so that you don't, you know, which critique you need to take um, and aren't ignoring critique you should take or vice versa without thinking it through well. What do your writing hats look like, Josiah? Um, my writing hat is blue and red, and my editing hat is gold. Like, is it a pointy hat, or is it a ball cap? Um, my, my writing hat is a ball cap. My other hat is a fedora. Because I, <laughs> I, I do a lot more with editing than I do with writing, so my editing hat is definitely the cooler hat. It's the cooler hat. That's so fabulous. For some reason, I like saw this Gandalf wizard pointy thing when you said my writing hat probably because of the 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 gandalf you had deus and i wore at the retreat yes that's <laughs> probably why so one thing josiah mentioned i really like that because when you come to beta reading or when you come to feedback you're not looking for this is my grand story everybody love it what you're looking for is tell me everything wrong with it because if i'm going to publish it i want to know it now i don't want to know it after i've published it or when i've sent it to the editor the main thing with feedback is just mentally preparing your mind in that sense of, I am getting people to tell me what's wrong with my story. They're helping me by telling me what's wrong with my story. And that's okay. It might not be fun, but it's life and you just deal with it and you read their feedback, you consider it and you go on. Just because you have something that needs work doesn't mean you failed as a person. It doesn't mean you failed as a writer. All it means is that you have more work you need to do. And that's going to be true of pretty much any aspect of life. And so you need to have confidence in your own work. And why I say that is you're going to have people tell you this is bad, this needs work, all of these things. And you need to have a reason to know, yeah, it needs work, but it's worth it. I know the underlying foundation is good. I know the idea is good. There's a reason I'm doing this. And since I have this reason, and since I have confidence that I can do this, even if it's a little bit extra work, you can tackle it with a much better mindset of, okay, now we're going to fix the theme here, and maybe rewrite this section. Now we're going to fix this, and maybe rewrite this, and maybe it's more than I thought it would be, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. And I think what Josiah and Hope are saying, that those are excellent mindsets to have when you're coming to your book with feedback and looking at changing things. Because it's so easy as writers to make it personal. And our books are our babies. <laughs> and it's, we just we want them to be the best that they can. Um, but it's hard to kill those little darlings that we, we originally were inspired with to write in a scene to be able to make it better in the end. But we all have weak points in the story that in the end, if we, if we have someone point them out to us, that's the number one way I grow as a writer is by taking feedback and making spots that I didn't know were weak in a story stronger. 
and I think it's really, really important to see our, our books as, as gifts. And it's, it's this, this thing that we get to pour our, our creativity and our talents and our, our time and our, our love into. But then when we come to wanting to make it stronger, the end goal is to make the gift as beautiful as possible to give to people in the end who will be able to read it. And of course, we want to be able to impact their lives through the, this wonderful thing that we get to do by writing these books. Um, so if we just see it as a gift and see people who come to give us feedback as a way to um, make the, the gift the best and the most beautiful that it can be. Thanks for joining me, Hope, Josiah, and Rolina. And as always, thank you listeners for tuning in. You can learn more about today's panelists by visiting storyumbers.org forward slash about. Listening to the Story Embers podcast on the go, you can now find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iTunes. Subscribe on any of these platforms so you never miss an episode. Join us again next time as Josiah, Hope, and Brandon Miller discuss the closing of Lifeway bookstores and the digitization of bookselling on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. 